0: hello and welcome to the new channel born out of passion we're a community that helps you be the new you i'm dr michelle maras live streaming from the united states in the beautiful mountains of colorado welcome to mental shift Well, hello to the United States, to the Philippines. Magandangu sa Yong Lahat. Tonight, my guest is a coach, an educator who guides others to serve better, lead better, love better, and live better he's (laughs) number 10 out of 13 children from a small town in new england here in the united states he left home at the age of 18 on a mission to serve others through formal religious ministry and this led him to italy ireland england colombia chile and mexico along with a few years of active duty as a special staff officer and chaplain in the u.s navy serving sailors and marines he transitioned from 30 years of formal ministry to leadership resilience coaching and education to continue to serve human growth in a variety of professional sectors. So please welcome my friend, Matthew uh, Brackett, and
1: we call this episode The Deeper Calling. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for that introduction. Thank you for the opportunity to be here with you, such an accomplished woman and professional and communicator, (laughs) to be with your audience from all around the world.
0: Well, and I thought when I met you in, um, where were we? We were in D.C. We were in D.C. (laughs) We were in D.C. at the Business Leaders Network live event. And you walked up to me and said, so tell me more about you or something. I'm like, "Um, I don't know where my brain is right now. But yeah, I thought you would be a wonderful guest to have uh, to share your story with my audience because we really are global. And the things that we tend to talk about tend to be the higher calling that has brought us to wherever we are today. And so I'm like, wow, you had like multiple higher callings. And then you had this huge mental shift that brought you to what you're doing today. I'm like, Matthew has to come on the show. So here you are. So Matthew, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Will you share what did you do before, although we said it, and what was the mental shift that caused you to come to do the coaching that you're doing today. That's
1: a yeah, big question. That's a big question. I'll I'll say it briefly, but as many things in life, it wasn't brief. It was it was a journey of, of a good number of years. So, what I did before you said it in formal ministry, I was a Catholic priest for 20 years, and that also involved 10 years of training and education and formation. So, really, I was in that space for for 30 years. I grew up, and I suppose a lot of your audience are in the Philippines, so some of you very okay. familiar with the Catholic faith and the Catholic church. And,
0: very Catholic in the Philippines. Right? Yeah. And so growing
1: up in that environment of the faith and then being exposed to those options. It really wasn't, my, my parents didn't push us in any direction, but we were exposed to, to doing something meaningful, to doing something impactful to the higher calling. And so for me, at, at an early age, I said, well, the, the higher calling must mean I have to do something heroic. I must do something that makes a difference in this world and also in the next and make difference in people's lives, it has an eternal effect on people. So that was sort of my longing as as a young as a young heart. And and so so I sort of made this impulsive decision to join seminary and to join a religious order. And then and I didn't I didn't ever look back for for. Two and a half decades, right? And so, so that was so that was, I was, I received ordination as a priest in 2002, and again, so many wonderful things about that ministry. But as I went on in in that lifestyle, and in the, the institutional side, and organizational side, and the unique life of a priest, there was while it was so meaningful and impactful, there were also certain things that just didn't seem to. To fit or to align and i see and then i led into just really living in a lot of conflicts with myself which is not a healthy place to be for a long time and i and i lived like that for a long time and i didn't know what to do with it and i'm, I'm going to be very honest because maybe some of your audience has had this experience or is going through it we're not necessarily trained to have skills to to deal with a lot of things that we come up against in life and that i suppose that's what the your program the mental shift uh, is is all about is then we usually big decisions in life. Well let's see, big decisions, not necessarily big decisions, but big transitional decisions mm-hmm. have to do with um with the human experience of pain. So again, I not just big decisions, because oftentimes big decisions are made in, in the brightest of moments, but transitional decisions. We have to confront certain things and um, because something we're going through some sort of pain whether it be in the professional space the, pr- the personal space the relationship space whatever it is even in faith and so so yeah so I <laughs> I went through years of um, of a lot of internal pain which as human beings leads to depression anxiety discontent, um, darkness not understanding so on the one hand I was putting on this facade that I am I'm here for everybody else trying to do ministry I'm really making it work um but at, but at the same time falling apart on the inside and you can only hold that together for so long and i'm sure people on the outside began to realize that something was not something was off and maybe before i was even willing to admit it and so the mental shift and again when i talk about mental shift i think because of who we are as human beings when we talk about mental shift it it means psychological it means spiritual it means human it means so many elements about who we are as human beings and mm-hmm. um, and that's very much the case for me because to make the change of life that i made for a minute it, it involves so many elements of my life it, it it touched on theologically psychologically spiritually emotionally and socially because of all the people that i knew and was in touch with and in c- contact with it changes so many dynamics of my life. So it didn't happen from as I'm explaining it didn't happen from one day to the next to happen over a period of years. But I think one of the things that helped me in that shift was to embrace embrace the reality that my situation was very serious that I was sick, not physically. But probably emotionally. Emotionally. Um, and then I, I couldn't keep going. It, 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 my world sort of, it shattered a few times in my life, right? And, and this is one of those moments because you I was trying to live up to all these expectations and ideals and that I put on myself that others put on me. Well, your it, role, your role that you took role. was huge. Right? <laughs> yes. And so it took a lot of eyes. I mean, I, I'm hesitant with using the word humility, but to to recognize that my situation was serious, that I was sick, and I had to do something. So I said I, I raised the white flag right? <laughs> and said, right? and I actually went to inpatient care, which is a luxury for some people to be able to take a time out of life mm-hmm. to deal with whatever I was going through. And and so I did that, and, and again, painful, but but also so life giving.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I wanted you on the show, because the shift that you went through is enormous. And if you can make it through that and you can guide yourself through it and find a methodology to get through it. I I, I was like, wow, think of all the people he could help get through things. I mean, we have massive guilt because I ate a cheeseburger today. Okay, (laughs) that's how much massive we guilt, guilt we have. You were you were a priest for 30 years, really, 10 years Mm -hmm. of training, then 20 years active that I would think societal pressure, family pressure, the rest of the church, that was your family pressure. I mean, you would have had it from all sides. It, it wasn't like, uh, we're getting a divorce and we're going to go off. No, you can't do that because it was coming from everywhere. Mm, Yes. Right.
1: Yes. Wow. So yeah, it is deep, But I, I suppose as I went through it, I didn't always um, give the, give myself the perspective of, and I, I I came to it one step at a time. Good. The, this, you know, the gravity of the situation and also the gravity of the decision. It never became something that I took lightly. Good. Um, but yes, I suppose as you talk about it, it, it helps me realize you know just it, it was a big deal, right? The the, the levels of shifts in as I said, it never became easy. And p- partly because I think it was always a decision that I took seriously. But um, as yes, stepping into it and then also stepping away from it and with great respect towards all the people that were involved. Well,
0: and that's why I thought it was an important for, for, you, for you to be on the show and reach as many people as you reach with this because there's so many people struggling with the guilt of whatever decision they made. And I wanted to wanted them to realize that Here's this man right in front of them, Matthew here, who had this huge decision and it was a very serious decision, but he piecemealed built it and he, he thought on it for years mm-hmm. and he beat himself up for years mentally and emotionally, but he eventually made a decision and realized he can still serve yes. in a different capacity. And so you are still making a difference on this earth and in the next because you're helping people on this earth realize who they are on this earth so hmm. they can get to the next.
1: Right, right. Yes.
0: Yeah, I yes. love it.
1: thank you. No, and I love I love your joy and enthusiasm about it. <laughs> it is transition has been it's been challenging, right? And that's another mental shift that we could also talk about, but I do, I want to, some people when they leave ministry or leave, you know, life as a nun or things like that, they, they sort of, some people close that door and sort of mm-hmm. never look back or, and understandably so for whatever reason. For me, I really want, that's why I talk very openly about it. I want to leverage it and build on it because it's. it was a very important part of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to continue to build on that and bring that to others. And so if I were to talk about, you know, recommendations for people, um, all of us and i think you you might see this in a lot of people is we tend to sit in that static moment um of pain for a long time whether it be in a relationship or in a bad job or because change is difficult for us as human beings
0: actually it's more of a spiral a right. deep dark
1: spiral <laughs> right and we and we put up with it for a long time it, so i would challenge people just to consider all right, you know to Sitting in this sort of stagnant spiral or, with, or spiral is how healthy is it for me long-term and really, what am I willing to sacrifice to make something that not even, not even work, but to make it just appear to others that it is working? Is it worth it? What's, what am I willing to sacrifice? The other thing, and in, I in experienced with a lot of people in just the human being, but I would also say the human being in, in leadership roles or more adult roles, we are, can have a hard time. Well, we put a lot of band-aids on our problems. I want to, um, you know, so we grasp at things. We reach out to things to try to make our life look like it's really working. And when deep down, it's it's not. And so I would encourage people to lean into the pain and the transformation sooner rather than later. Easy for me to say, Okay. Because there's nothing like experience. I can say that because I went through the experience. And everyone has to go through the experience. But just, you know, today I was talking to someone that took years to get to the point where they finally said, you know what? I'm going to take three months away because I'm not well. Right? And there was a lot of grief. There, They've been through a lot of trauma. So there was grief. They were dealing with professional development. This whole identity thing, because everything, the mental shift has a lot to do with identity. And so rather than looking for band-aids and looking for activities or looking for groups to sort of patch up my life and, and, and to hold the facade, which we try to hold before others, you know, do yourself a great favor, raise the white flag, which it takes courage and humility, and focus on yourself. Because it's a greater investment of time and finances. Three months to get to a much better spot, you know, and then to make better decisions is much better than three years or five years spinning your wheels, throwing money at all kinds of solutions, right, in a desperate manner and trying to figure it out.
0: And I'm smiling because it took me, okay, I'm a very stubborn person. And um, I don't know if you know my story about this part, but I was lost and confused, but I kept going like everything was fine. Mm -hmm. And one day I made a loud proclaimment to God. I'm so tired. I just need a break.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And I got hit by a car. It
1: it wasn't the break break you were looking for. I'm
0: like, wait, I didn't mean that break. (laughs) But for two years and three months, I did not walk or talk. And so I was forced to listen to myself. So when someone tells me, oh, I'm having difficulty and I'm lost and I don't know what to do, I do. Shut up. Shut up and listen. Because all the answers are sitting inside of you, but you're too busy fighting it, too busy thinking that it's not the right thing to do. And honestly, we don't know what the right thing is to do. So get quiet and listen. Because there is a calling, there's something, there's a deeper calling that is telling you what to do and you hear it and you do, nope. Can't be that. Nope, not nope, nope. And we fight it. Mm. I got hit by a car and was forced to listen to every no I have ever said in my life. And at the age of 46, I was stuck in my head listening to all of them. Mm. Yeah. But uh so I you, were, you were, yes, sometimes some, some, some it's my story,
1: did I? I did, no, yes. I went I mean, at the event. I heard just I did
0: a, did I tell did version, I tell that?
1: A short version of your story, did, yes. I, did
0: I tell the um I told God to let me die. And I heard. Your right. wh- you didn't,
1: you didn't say that. Oh
0: yeah. At the end of two years, three months, I was screaming at God in my head. If you hate me so much, then kill me already. Just don't leave me like this. Cause I was a vegetable. Mm-hmm. And, um, I heard. You're not dead yet. Get up. That was my mental shift.
1: <laughs>
0: <Wow>. <laughs> basically stop whining and do something. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> so I made this quote. I said, um, Change is an emotional journey. It's not rainbows and butterflies through a field of daisies. It changes uncomfortable. It forces you to evaluate who you are, but the beauties and the possibilities.
1: Mm-hmm. Very eloquent. and Right. And that's the fruit of your experience, Michelle. But such a, I mean, again, we look back and you can smile at it now, but <laughs> the tragedy of that moment in those years. It was
0: terrible. It was horrible. Right. And and i that's why I tell people, You know, I didn't wake up changed. It took a long time for me to evaluate every piece of me. Mm -hmm. And I had to get quiet enough to do it. And then even when I started walking and talking again, I was falling over because I'm I'm missing four parts of my brain. You know, so my body had to reprogram everything. Mm -hmm. But that's the miracle of all the gifts that were given. So, yes, you may have left the priesthood to serve in another capacity. But I believe because of what you've learned in the priesthood, you're able to serve even more on the outside because there's so many people running from Mm. the priesthood.
1: Yes. And running from the faith. And it's true. And there was always this longing in my heart that I want to serve people outside the the walls of the church.
0: Exactly. And so that's the answer he gave you was Mm -hmm. get all the training, get that settled. Okay. Now you're uncomfortable because you've got to grow out of this because I need you outside.
1: Right. Yes. Well, thank you for that perspective.
0: I love that perspective.
1: <laughs> yes. And there was there there was was yes, and there was this restlessness in my heart to, to want to serve. And actually my experience in the Navy, and that could be a whole nother conversation, but was very much got serving, plenty of time. serving this very diverse population, which I loved because, and I went into that precisely because of that. I said, I want to serve people on the outside of the walls of the church, people that aren't going to church. I mean, that's also why I got into ministry. And the Navy is that opportunity with Marines and sailors from all races, from all creeds, from all backgrounds and, and social classes. And they're all there in one uniform. Right. And as a chaplain, you're just, I'm given a very sacred space to mm-hmm. a safe space where they can come talk about whatever, you know, it's not often, it's not about faith things. It's just about what they go through as human beings in that unique context, which are the armed forces. Yeah. So again, beautiful experience
0: well i I see it as an absolute blessing that you're out outside with all of us because <laughs> there's so many people who need help and through my travels of a, as a global speaker and all the things I do there are so many people who are afraid of the church right. and they've got this stigma and so when they find out that I I have any Christian belief they do but you're so nice I do <laughs> <laughs> what? What do you mean? But I'm so nice. I'm I'm walking the talk. I'm not preaching to you. I am. So and that's being. what it's
1: about. It's about being. Yes. Mm-hmm. And sadly, do you, you pull me back if I go on a tangent? But when we talk about leadership, for example, mm-hmm. you know, which is part of the, the one of the fields that I work in, is um Because leadership can do so much good for people, as we've experienced. Proper leadership, healthy leadership, authentic leadership, wholesome leadership, functional. It is very life-giving and transforming. Because whether we like it or not, leadership will always be part of the human experience. And it's, again, it's not about authority. It's about healthy influence. And we're always influencing others, whether it be parents at home, influencing each other as, as spouses, or influencing your children. Whether it be in the workplace, So, but also when influence or authority or leadership is used in a dysfunctional way or a destructive way or an unhealthy way or toxic way, it is it is so damaging. And when we bring that to the level of faith, you know, toxic or dysfunctional, unhealthy leadership in the faith space, it's even more damaging because it touches some of the deeper fibers of our being. And and that's why I'm, I get very passionate about this because because it's it will be a con- constant in our human experience. There will always be leadership and influence, and it's so important that it be that we be educated properly to be able to 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 manage authority in in a way that is life giving and transformative rather than destructive.
0: Uh, yes, <laughs> there's nothing I can add to that. <laughs> but that's what's so. <clears throat> I mean, that's what I sought when I joined the John Maxwell team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I needed a leader who was a real leader. Uh, that was the only thing I can think of, a real leader. And he he wasn't in it for any fame or anything. He just was. And I, I love it when he was picking up all his books. He goes, I didn't write any of these. I didn't write this. I didn't write this. He is. this is the Bible. I just highlighted and put you told you where I got it from. And I'm like, <laughs> I like that. He endeared me when he said that. I'm like, I I like you a lot. But that's really when I joined the John Maxwell team was I was looking for a leader. I was Mm. looking for someone who could guide me back to wherever I was because with my brain injury, I lost years. Mm. I didn't remember who I was anymore. I just remembered that that guy was my husband. Those are my kids. That's my sister. That's my sister. And that was about it. But when they talked about the past, I have no idea. So, I went to John Maxwell because I realized I have a lot of John Maxwell books, so it must right. have been a big deal to me. That's only yeah. that's what I did. That's how I found my coaching world right. I found the books I read
1: right and and you found your identity again, I imagine after everything you lost.
0: I found the real identity, right. not the one the old one was the one who was pleasing everybody else. Mm. I was, that was the one who thought she needed two children, a dog, a cat, a white picket fence, you know, live in the suburbs and have a degree and never use it. You know, I had all those little things that I had in my, my plan and I had done them all. I was the perfect school mom. I was, you know, the PTA mom. I did all the things I was supposed to do, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm. And it wasn't until the brain injury, when I was stuck in my head, evaluating everything I never allowed myself to do that I realized and then was told, speak. So I started speaking. Mm-hmm. And I wanna say hi to two people who just popped on. Apple who runs TNC, she's like the big boss on TNC. And Cammie, Cammie says hi.
1: Okay. <laughs> Look at that, is here, And the big <laughs> boss from TNC.
0: Yeah, see, woo woo.
1: Big boss from, from, from She's Invincible and the big boss from TNC.
0: Yeah, we got two bosses on with us. <laughs> But, no, that's what's really cool about when I met you was I really wanted to share that story. Because, one, not many people would even admit I was a priest and I'm not.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: My my uncle, mom, what do you call it? My husband's uncle.
1: Yeah, great uncle.
0: My great uncle?
1: I uh, know. I'm not sure what you'd call I it. I don't know what you
0: call it. But anyways, he's a <laughs> Jesuit priest. Okay. Yes. They kicked him out. hmm because he talked too much.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: he, he was in a sect where they weren't supposed to talk and he kept talking. Till they get nothing. <laughs> he, he's brilliant. He's a wonderful man. He still works in the church, but he apparently could not be quiet. So, anyway. Right. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. My husband just said he was a monk. Okay. He was a
1: monk. Yes. No, the monks. Yeah, the Jesuits aren't, uh, aren't meant to be so quiet. The monks are meant to be much more quiet. Okay, Monastic but he life.
0: Yeah. is a genius, and he he can talk. He speaks so many languages, and he's just brilliant. But yeah. I I always giggle when I when I when I met you, I thought of him, and I'm like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, definitely. Silence is very much part of our training, where we go through the, like through a two year spiritual boot camp. Really, which means a lot of silence, a lot of meditation, a lot of reflection, prayer. Reading of scriptures and reading of spiritual authors. And so yes, it's a lot of focus on on physical exercise and physical discipline and also the spirit, really, just it's detachment from the world and attachment to the things of God.
0: Well, I realized in my brain injury time when I was off, um, I before I only treasured my brain. I didn't care about anything else, just my brain. And then when I injured my brain, it scared me. And I went, please, please give me back my brain. And then when I heard you're not dead yet, uh, I said, please, thank you. Please let me have my brain. You can take my body. Just give me back my brain. And almost immediately after, like eight months later, I found out I had breast cancer. And then suddenly I wanted my body too. (laughs) And what I realized was I was being taught a lesson.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Mind, body, spirit. I cannot separate them. I can't care for one without the other. And so part of my training to people who hire me as a coach is you have to balance all three of them. You have to take care of all three of them. You cannot just do one or the other. You cannot say, I'm very spiritual, but I'll never eat a vegetable. And I'm never going, I mean, you can't do extremes. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's a happy balance. And I, I love to share that because that was a hard lesson for me to learn, and when people meet me and you met me, I'm very happy, yes. and I'm actually very at peace of very happiness that I'm in, and it's because I found a happy juggling act of all three, mm-hmm. and I don't neglect any of them. Right. I just
1: am. Yes, well, that holistic approach is so important. As human beings, we we like to, you know, be dualistic or triplistic and separate everything. But the human experience is, is we don't do ourselves favors when we do that. And that's why we don't do ourselves favors when we go to extremes on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. That balance and the holistic approach to the way we care for our humanity is so important. And also with what you said, and thank you for sharing that, is I think sometimes crisis, trials or tribulations um, come in the ways we least expect. Oh, Yeah. And oftentimes they they kind of hit us where, in the deepest places, right? Well, you you know, Luke, like you, you didn't you, you and your brain was so important, right? And and bam, that's where you got hit. For me, you know, it's so many things about my identity and about my ego and about I was this and that and and, and I got slammed. Right? And and I was part of an organization inside the Catholic Church an organization that that he went through a massive crisis. And so, and and that's when I sort of coined this phrase is that crisis and tribulation come through the least expected door.
0: Crisis and tribulation. Okay, hold that thought. Crisis and tribulation through the most unexpected door? That's right. Okay, we'll be right back after this break. Don't forget that. And we'll come right back to it right after the break don't leave us L, and share this live feed. We'll see you in a little bit. you, thank you for watching Mental Shift. Did you remember to share this with a friend or a family member? You could do that right now. Because today we are discussing the deeper calling with Matthew Brackett. Now, I want you to imagine something else. Did you know that TNC is a live stream platform of online shows for people on the go? Watch And check out all these shows and find the one that is fit for you and check it out. Now, imagine having your own show, your own playlist, your own content, but we'll make it easier for you. TNC aims to transform the lives of our viewers through engaging, authentic and original content. Our vision is to become a global 24-7 live stream channel that showcases Filipino talent, global influencers, cultural intelligence and ingenuity. Continue to watch Mental Shift Tuesday nights at 7.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time in the United States or Wednesday morning at 10.30 in the Philippines. You can also watch replays via Facebook or YouTube. And please follow us on Instagram. Listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You just have to search hashtag TNCNow. And for sponsorships, please email n o w at thenewchannel.com or send a direct message to the new channel. So enjoy these life-changing shows because we made them just for you. And welcome back. I'm Dr. Michelle Moras, streaming from Colorado, and you are watching Mental Shift. And where is Matthew?
1: Hi, here I am. There
0: you are. I love that. Crisis and tribulation comes through the most unexpected door. I need like a really long bumper sticker that I stick on everything with that (laughs) because people don't realize that that's, it's the truth.
1: Yes. And I suppose that's what makes a crisis is that it, it comes in such an unexpected manner and it hits us in some of our, the deeper fibers of our being. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it a crisis. I like to speak openly about crisis because it's a common human experience. And again, it's some of the, one of those words that like, crisis. <laughs> it's
0: part of our life. We need to address it. Yes. And honestly, I think that's the problem is a lot of people just hush it away or chocolate it away or drink it away. And you can't. It's always going to stay unless you address it. And that's why crisis is, I call myself a resiliency coach mm-hmm. for most of the things I do because it's, you need to face it. What's the problem? Yeah. Okay. Turn around, face it. Because when it's a problem, if you don't address it, it just turns into a gigantic snowball. And one day
1: it's just going to hit you. Right. When you least that's, expect it. That's yes. And it, it snowballs. And then, so again, a big fan of preventive maintenance rather than crisis management. But the fact is, is that we don't always invest a lot in preventive maintenance in our lives. Mm-hmm. But only when things get bad, then we sort of have to face it. Um but oftentimes then there's those mechanisms that's that we live in denial. We kind of, eh, we dress things up. We're like, no, it's not that bad, not that bad. Until all of a sudden, you know, when I use the image also, you know, we brush things under the carpet until we're tripping over them. Or we <laughs> we put things away in the closet hoping that they just won't. But there's certain things that when we put them into the closet, they, they won't go away. They grow in darkness. And then they start to go bad. And they start to stench. And then it just begins to take over our whole life I
0: like that it grows in the darkness ah uh, oh I, I just had a, an image in my head it's like a, a fungus basically right. it grows in the darkness yeah. so you can't ignore it you've got to face it and make it see the light so it will go away
1: that's right yes. Ooh, I like that this yes a certain human experiences that that when you put them into the darkness they hoping that they'll disappear they grow and And they begin to really take over a lot of our being. That's why it's so important. Going back to what we're talking about, it's so important to address them. Again, easy for us to say um, when you're going through it, it's not easy to do because the natural tendency is us as well. This will take care of itself. (laughs) Um, And then then we realize. But the important thing is just not to wait so long. Right? Embrace crisis. Crisis, And and if we go to some of the, the languages, like Chinese or Japanese, from what I don't speak the language from my knowledge is that the Chinese, they, they use characters to express, mm-hmm. right? And so they use two characters to explain the concept of crisis. One is danger, and the other one is opportunity. And it's I love that because it's very accurate, is that it's, it's totally ja- dangerous and life-threatening, um, a crisis is, but it's also a great opportunity. And so I like to talk about the transformative power of crisis when it's properly managed. Yes. Uh, and in leadership, it's key because, again, who's ready to manage a crisis? It's no one. I, you know, it's but crisis management and decision-making in crisis times is so important. But it's difficult because because of what our brain does. When we go through a crisis, what does our brain do? It shifts into safety and security mode. And so our ability to see the bigger picture is automatically affected. We yeah. can't – our vision is narrowed. Uh, it's we really just a lot of impulsive decisions to keep ourselves safe. But oftentimes, those aren't the best decisions in in crisis. We're not seeing the bigger picture. We're not taking in all the information. So people in leadership roles, when they manage crisis, is so important. Rather than go to crisis and impulsive decision-making. So that's the time when you need to have the right people around the table to get the opinions, to get the viewpoints, so that the proper decision. And the same thing will be in our personal lives. Oh,
0: everything. It's all the same.
1: We need to bring, and that's why, you know, the work that you do, the work that I do, it's to be brought to the table or the, to someone's life in those moments so that we can work together through this. And really, well-invested time in this will lead to, to such a, will lead to a beautiful life. Yes.
0: And, and I, I love to talk about self-leadership because you, in order to be self-led, you need to be able to basically do a SWOT analysis. Do you know what a SWOT analysis is? (laughs) (laughs) You've got to do a SWOT analysis on your life, on everything that's happening around you. Hello, Marcel. Because you need to know your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities and your threats. And basically predict the worst case scenario and say, if this happens, this is what I will do. Instead of waiting for something bad to happen and do, well, nothing's never going to happen. No, no, no. My, no. my whole family has cancer, but no, no, no. I'm, I'm, it's never going to hit me because I, you know, all that. And then it hits and you do, ah, what am I going to do? Well, you you saw the signs. It was, you saw it in your family tree. What would you do? You have to prepare yourself for the what ifs. And I've had people say, well, when you do that, you bring it upon yourself. I do, know. <laughs> you prevent it from happening because you take care of yourself in the proper ways before it hits. And they're like, huh? I do, yeah, because like you were saying, with every, in the Chinese character, there's danger and there's opportunity. You've got to figure out if the, the danger happens, how do you twist that and come out the other side of it? Mm-hmm. And I've been accused that, well, that's just you, Michelle. You just think differently. No, I'm a mathematician. In my mind, I'm A-B testing and I'm saying, okay, if then, if this happens, then this could happen. It it might be I'm a military brat kid. I don't know what it is, but I'm very strategic on all the possibilities. And I have a plan for every possibility. Mm -hmm. So when anything, even inkling, comes near me that's not so fun to deal with, I have a basic plan, and I just start moving on it. And they're mm. like, "That's insane!" I do. No, that's planning. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> You're right. And, and today, I think today there's a big, sh- you know, this big push for positivity and optimism, and you know, in this pop psychology, and which is different than positive psychology. But it's sort of like, and so it's kind of like they promote this denial. That, yeah. That, uh, and when we talk about resilience, Michelle, is, and in the studies on resilience, there's. There's three factors and I won't get into them, but one of the, the common denominators in resilience. I want to know the three factors. I, I say I won't get into because I don't know if I'm gonna remember them. Okay. But, <laughs> but, but the first one is that the person the res- the common denominator in people that are resilient or built up their resilience is that they know that something, a challenge is going to come their way. So again, it's about the mental shift and the attitude. I, we all everyone talks about that. Attitude is so important. So our, our attitude, we have to be ready that. Something might go sideways. And in the way we least expect. Again, if we go to the military, and as as you live your life in the military, it's we they plan for the worst. And that's how you and that's how they're successful in in military missions. If they just plan for the the best scenario, well, they're not ready. Exactly. And it's not being pessimistic and it's not being whatever other words you want to put there. It's just being realistic with the human experience and and being able to adapt. Again, a resilience has to do a lot to with adaptability and flexibility.
0: yeah, it's flexibility and being able to react quickly mm-hmm. and um and I think that's when people misinterpret my joy. Yes, my joy is, I'm happy because I know worse things can happen, and so whenever I see anything I do, oh it could be worse. <laughs> 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 could be worse. That's fine. we can deal with this. And people are like, "Why are you so happy you're what you're unrealistically happy. Mm-hmm. not for me, possibly for you, but I'm very realistically happy.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. But anyways, I love that resiliency. With,
1: you live with hope, and but with your feet firmly on the ground.
0: Yes. And the other thing I think that gave me more joy is when I heard that you're not dead yet, voice, most of my life I thought I was alone.
1: Right.
0: And I realized I wasn't. mm Really, that was it. Because all my life I was going to church and I was a good girl and I did everything I was supposed to do. But bad things happened to me. A lot of really bad things happened to me. And I thought, well, there can't be a God because why would these horrible things happen to me unless it was a vindictive thing directly against me, then wow, I don't like him very much. And that's why I got in this argument with God that day. And when I heard you're not dead yet, get up. I went, you mean it could have been worse if you were? (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you you for everything. And it it shifted everything because I saw what it would have been if I wasn't, if I was alone. Mm -hmm. And so when I meet people who say we're all alone and I'm miserable, I do, you're not alone, Mm -hmm. you're not but there's no way for me to truly prove that to them. Right. That's why I say, then get quiet and listen. Now, I, I've been so engrossed with talking to you about all this other stuff we're talking about, resiliency and everything. I never even asked you, how do people work with you?
1: <laughs> I yeah. got distracted. No, that's right. That's all right. So part of, the, part of my focus is really with people in leadership roles and I would call myself, yeah, a resilience coach, an expert, an advisor, an educator. It's really about that balance, people, where the prof- personal and professional, that complex or sometimes chaotic intersection, and how to find clarity and balance in that ebb and flow in life. It's always going to be the ebb and flow, but how to gain these skills and abilities, and the bigger picture, right, so as to to manage my lo- life with a lot more clarity and balance. Um, and resilience, I love, love the concept because it's really, it's all-encompassing. As you know, it involves so much. It's a word that's become sort of a buzzword, but it involves so much about the human experience and about the human spirit Right, so many aspects. So so I really like the concept, and it is that ability to stretch, but without breaking. And, and, and life does that to us, right? Where it stretches us. And, but we have to, that self-awareness is so important so that we don't stretch ourselves beyond where naturally where we can go, right? And that's where burnout happens and things like that. So so I work with, I focus really towards people in leadership roles, again, in that the people that are willing to work on themselves in their personal life and people that also want to develop their, their leadership abilities and skills. So simply said, it's the personal leadership and how they lead others whether that be in their personal spaces, but also in the professional spaces. And they reference then what we also talked about leadership a little bit before in our conversation.
0: Well, how will they reach you?
1: So they can reach me uh, on LinkedIn is, is an easy way. Uh, Matthew Brackett on LinkedIn, Facebook, also on my website, which will go public soon, um, BracketAlliance.com. And I really work with, and I have a, a coaching program, which is, there's different things that I, I offer, but one, which is very good for people who want to just taste coaching in a high impact relationship is called the results accelerator. So it's, it's highly impactful, intense, but it's seven, eight, nine hours where we go through through life experiences. We go through a discovery in a very visual way about their values, about their needs, about their goals, But in a very visual manner and really experienced through through their life experiences so it's a it's a a great way because you, you it's um the person is reliving their life and then in that without realizing it they're planning out really their They're getting to know their identity in a much deeper way they're building up their confidence and they're clarifying what helps me get to where i want to get the results i want and what gets in the way whether it be external elements or internal elements so it's called the results accelerator and then it closes with the results roadmap which is this visual roadmap around the goals and results and again what i said what helps me get there what gets in the way it's intense but definitely worth it will unstuck anybody from where they're at in life and it will give them sort of a just a new transformed vision and then they can go on their way. Or if they want to continue to implement that with me and their coaching then that's also a possibility. But the great thing about it is it's very specific in time and, and price and and it will give you a huge boost. So that's one of the things that I that I do in my in my leadership work.
0: Well that's awesome. I mean because I don't see a separation between personal and business. Mm-hmm. And so whatever's happening in your personal life, it's going into your business life. It, it It's it's seeping in. And so to be a stronger leader, you need to have that personal side together because they're going to seep together and vice versa. And right. that's why I, I love business coaches, but that's why I love coaches that deal with life.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yes, right. <laughs> because you can't why,
0: deal with them separately. They're, like um, I said, the, the whole mind, body, soul, your business and your life are together. Right.
1: And I understand a lot of executive coaches or business coaches focus more on the business side. But because of my background and my experience, my, my knowledge and passion for the human person, I I and that's I, I'm very comfortable in that personal space. And I think I have a
0: well, lot of you're qualified. you're very qualified for the personal yes. space. Yes.
1: yes for both so that, and so that's why I, I mark myself as such and so I, I but again you have people in leadership roles that don't want to go there okay well then I'm not the right fit like, I want to work with people that want to go there
0: <laughs> well because if you don't go there in my mind it's going to it's it's like a a wheel
1: hmm. you, know,
0: you you can fix all the other ones but if that one family life or relationship one is dented you're you're gonna have a pretty bumpy ride. There's there's no way to you've got to fix the full wheel, or you're not gonna ride smoothly, right? Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm still locked on the whole crisis and <laughs> crisis and tr- come through the most unexpected door. Because man, talk about the thing I loved the most about myself was my brain, and that's the first mm-hmm. thing that went away. You know, so. Be careful what you complain about, okay? Because right. <laughs> there, there was,
1: challenges. There was a I mean, there was a word I didn't use it here, but because it's understood more in the religious sense, but it can it can be understood in the, in the civilian sense. Um, purification. Purification. Again, and, again, it's a very sort of a in the spiritual theology world. It's a, it's a more of a religious term, but it's the same as crisis, the same as as tribulation or trials, but purification comes through the ways we least expect. Right? And if, if we bring it to a biblical word, you know, the word that the gold is tested in the furnace.
0: Oh, and I was thinking the silver where the, the smith was. Right. He's exactly. got that boiling and then the he's sifting off the bad part, the, the dirty parts out, the little rocks and pieces. And that's what's happening in our lives where as we're bubbling because he's purifying this beautiful silver we start complaining because it's too hot but it's hot because it's trying to separate that the non-silver part out of us but we give up before it happens we want to stop
1: yes and i think the word purification works well with the whole mindset because it is it's a purifying of what's what doesn't what's not meant to be there and bringing forth the true identity and the deeper calling going back to the title the title of our conversation.
0: we were calling and preventative um, maintenance I like that part preventative maintenance right. because people will take care of their cars left and right but they don't care they don't take care of themselves.
1: Yes until until something breaks yes yeah.
0: <laughs> So when you've said preventative maintenance I'm like that, that that's downright exactly what you do. you help them maintain before something breaks.
1: Yes. Or if they're in crisis mode, then we go in to help with crisis management. Yeah. But definitely when, you know, the way we run our businesses and the way we use our cars, if we're if we're thoughtful about it or other things or our houses, we, you know, we practice preventive maintenance. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a wise thing to do, but we don't always do it with ourselves.
0: <laughs> I like that. But I, I mean, it's really resonating with me. Prevent Preventative maintenance. So those of you who are watching, have you done preventative maintenance on you? I'm sure your car's doing pretty well, but how about you? And if you do need help, but if you are questioning what's going on and you're in crisis mode, go reach out to Matthew Brackett. You can find him easily. I found him very easily on LinkedIn and Facebook. (laughs) He's very easy to find and it's his face and you could actually see him. And so that's how you can find him. Go to Matthew Brackett, LinkedIn, and Facebook, you can find him and write him and say, hey, is your website up yet? Cause I need to talk to you. <laughs> and uh, he's just a really nice man. He's got this wonderful uh, presence about him. I met him when I was in DC and um, yeah, I'm so glad you came out to visit us. So question, do you have any any last minute uh, advice or a saying that you'd like to leave with the audience? Cause we have like eight minutes left, but I want you to dive.
1: Oh, boy. Eight minutes. Do you want me to fill the eight minutes?
0: <laughs> no, I can help you in there somewhere. But-
1: Let me, let's see. There's, there's another phrase that I, I really like to share with people. and This is more geared towards relationships because sometimes I work with couples that are in, in committed relationships. and But it has very much to do with who we are as individuals. But only when we are at home with ourselves are we ready to invite someone into our home. And I leave this pause on purpose. Only when we're at home with ourselves are we ready to invite someone into our homes. And this goes along the lines of, of what we've already talked about, of just that personal work. Is that when we're grabbing and grasping for identity and for, for validation and affirmation from the outside, in the end we're trying to fill a void. Now, it is true, there are some empty spots or voids in our life as human beings that we can fill with these things but there's deeper ones or then we can fill even with the significant other but when we expect activities things titles or even our significant other to fill the deeper void it's first of all it's a great injustice to ourselves and to that other person because we're expecting them to do the infinite or the impossible and, and that's not a realistic expectation. So we, we really set ourselves up for frustration. So again, then this brings us back to that, the importance of that personal work and of coming home to ourselves, of being, and like you said, you're two and a half years of sort of just becoming silent and becoming comfortable in our own presence. And if any of your listeners realize, you know, they're not comfortable in their presence, they're grabbing for their phone, they can't deal with silence. They, they, they need, they need, need and thirst for their identity to be given to them from the outside exercise that muscle which of sitting with yourself and learning to be comfortable with yourself because that will be serve you so well in life personally and professionally and it will serve if you end up getting into a relationship and having a family it will be the best way to also serve your loved ones and then one other phrase i would share this a lot with marines and sailors is um a few other things. One is there's two important the, two of the most important things that we're going to do in life. You know, it, well let me back step. We we prepare professionally for many things. We train. We go to school. We go to college, whatever, university. Two of the most important things that most of the people that are listening will do. There's no preparation or mandatory preparation for. So. Going back to preventive maintenance and intentional training. What do you do to prepare for a committed relationship? And what do you do to be a parent? <clears throat> what do you do? But these are the two. And society is built on this. But there's no expectation that you train for it. You're supposed to just figure it out. And then we look at society. We're like, well, what's going on? Well, Well, because we don't prepare intentionally for two of the most important things that we're going to do which is to be in a committed relationship and to be a parent. So I would encourage people to invest intentionally in that, even though it's not mandatory. Um, it's not a box you need to tick. But it should be a box that we want to tick in our own lives because we want to do it really well.
0: I used to complain about that. I used to say, we have driver's li- tests for a driver's license. We have tests to graduate school. Where's the Where's the manual for children? I mean, you just handed me a life and said good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, where's the manual for for being married? I mean, I mean, most of us I'm like, well, we we a lot of us don't have great role models for what parents do, and so we continue that that cycle of whatever was broken, and we just keep going on, and so yes, get quiet and start intentionally preparing for things that we aren't required to prepare for.
1: <laughs> yes, but that it's in our best interest to do it because we yeah. want to live happy and fulfilled lives and give that happiness and fulfillment to those around us.
0: Yeah, and you remember, you have to come home to yourself. I, I love that quote. Only when we are at home with ourselves are we ready to allow someone else in. And I've, I've said that many a times to several clients, actually. How do you keep, why do you keep looking for love when you don't love yourself? Mm. I mean, you can't find someone to fill that void. They're going to accent what you already have. So love yourself first. When you're to the point where you don't need anyone else to fulfill that, that's when the other person should find you. (laughs) Not when you're looking to fill a gap, right? Oh, wow. Just beautiful. Thank you so much, Matthew.
1: Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you, to talk about your story, my story, and to share with your audience.
0: Oh, most definitely. No, I I, I brought you on for completely selfish reasons. I thought <laughs> you were cool and I wanted them. To be <laughs>
1: okay, well, well, thank <laughs> you for thinking I'm cool. <laughs> and I have to say, I know a lot of your audiences in the Philippines. I have a great love for the Philippines because um, I grew up with Filipino friends in different countries, especially in Italy, there's large Filipino communities. I know a lot of priests, bishops, nuns that were Filipinos and, and civilians that lived in Rome. So they're just beautiful people. And I always just felt better around them. So I, I wanna send a lot of love to your Filipino communities.
0: Well, thank you. When when we, when we I go out in December, right, April? Uh, Apple, when I come out in December, not in April, I'm gonna come out in, in December. We'll bring Matthew with us. He can come to the party too. <laughs> so, uh, Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us tonight. Matthew, thank you for taking time. I mean, it's really late on the East Coast out there. And um, I'm glad you are able to join us. And everyone, share this, share this out, and let people realize that, one, you're not broken, but two, you do need preventative maintenance. And it's okay to not be Okay. Go find you, go be the best version of you and be unapologetically the best version of you. Until next week, everyone, take care and be well. Good night.